Welcome to Counter Apologetics. I'm your host, Emerson Green. So, I recently attended the Capturing Christianity conference in Houston, Texas. It was a good excuse to get together with a few friends, talk about apologetics and philosophy, and it was a great time. I also ran into a few YouTubers and podcasters there, and I brought my recording equipment along, so I spoke to a few attendees, and this is the product of that. Christian Idealism and Invoking Theism joined me to talk about the fall, the problem of evil, the defeat condition, whether defeating evil entails universalism, hell, eternal conscious torment, and other models of the afterlife. I also spoke to John Buck and Necessary Being about libertarian free will, which will be coming out later. Everything recorded was fairly laid back, not a debate or anything, just a friendly conversation. This was all recorded in my hotel room. As you'll hear, there are a handful of other people in the room listening in on the recording. We also all had a bit to drink, maybe more than a bit to drink in my case. Hopefully that's not too obvious. So with that, let's get to the conversation. My name's uh, Kyle Allender. I run the Christian Idealism YouTube channel for a few years now, and my main area is in the philosophy of religion, philosophy of science, and the philosophy of mind. Well, my name is Tim. I run the Invoking Theism YouTube channel, Twitter page, social media, everything. Um, and my main interests are philosophy of religion, metaphysics, and the philosophy of science. Okay, so Kyle, you asked a question um, about the problem of evil. Who was that question to, by the way? You problem. asked about like the like evolutionary problem of evil at one point. No, yeah, so my question to, so like in his debate with Michael Jones, he made the argument that, you know, like on theistic evolution, you have like billions of years of, you know, evolutionary evils, right? And so his argument was like on that sort of picture of the world, like why would God create a world like that, right? So that, that's the classic, you know, evolutionary argument from evil, right? And that's used typically as, you know, one of the better, I would say the best argument against theism in terms of like, that's like the best version of the problem, I would say, you know, of course, evil is traditionally seen as like the best argument against theism. And I would agree with that. Um, and and yeah. of course, yeah. So what was your question though? No, yeah. So my question to him was like, basically, okay, if, if this is uh, inconsistent on basic evolution, then on a young earth creationist account, well, why would God curse the ground if it's not really necessary for him to do so given Adam's sin, right? And of course, his response to me was, well, you know, sin introduces disorder and, you know, therefore you need animals to like, somehow like there needs to be predation and parasites and stuff, which didn't really make any sense to me, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah. I mean, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just, I, I don't know if anybody was really persuaded by that answer um, at all. I mean, I think we, we all kind of recognize intuitively that that's like such an improportionate response. It's like, Two people like sinned by disobeying, and so for the rest of humanity, you're going to have child cancer, and they're deserving of. Well, that. I think it's just like, totally inconsistent with if you look at the young earth creationist view and like God's nature, right? So, like for example, like okay, even if I grant that like you know Adam and Eve brought disorder, like why would God be justified therefore to you know bring more disorder? Right. Yeah. Especially like to animals that had absolutely nothing to do with their sin. So the future humans that have nothing to do, you know, especially with the natural occurrences that they aren't morally responsible for. I want to get Emerson. What do you, uh, so as an atheist there, you know, when you hear a 
that kind of younger the Christianist response. Like, did, wait, did we mention that you guys are Christians? No. Okay, so I'm here with two Christians. We're not. This is not just an atheist circle jerk about the problem of evil. Like, <laughs> we um, yeah. So Tim and Kyle are both Christians, and um, so you think the problem of evil is the biggest problem for theism? And d- yeah. do you agree, Tim? I think it's the best argument. Okay, yeah, me too. So just to bring people up to speed on what we're talking about, the argument is roughly that the process of evolution is very brutal. You know, the history of evolution involves lots of extinction and death and predation, most disturbingly to me, and suffering and pain and fear. You know, this is endured mostly by non-rational, non-moral agents, animals. And, I mean, further, this is by design. Like, this is a, a result of creatures acting in accordance with their design plan and their natural purposes. So... First of all, that seems very surprising on theism, period, but specifically, Kyle was addressing a young earth creationist who endorses, like, the fall theodicy, where it's like, Adam and Eve, I don't know, what did they do exactly? Like, they did something that brought about the fall, and then, as a result, all of the natural evil um, that exists, like, entered the world. So, I mean, one thing I do like about that theodicy, though, is it tries to pin all natural evil on moral evil. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a good strategy, I guess, because moral evil is easier to explain than natural evil, maybe a little bit. But it's just a really implausible way of doing it, basically, for the reasons you guys are saying. Like, it just doesn't seem to follow that, like, oh, yeah, well, obviously now there are, like, tsunamis and earthquakes and, um, you know, predation because Eve uh, disobeyed God. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I just remember when, like, someone like Hugh Ross was first debating Kent Hovind, even though Kent Hovind's, like, the worst and the most, like, lowest hanging fruit. I mean, he said to him, he said, I mean, you would have to, to follow your logic to where it leads, you'd have to even, like, commit yourself to the idea that the sun wasn't even burning until the fall happened, because that's a process of a kind of, you know, using its ener- using up its energy, you know, thermodynamic equilibrium and decay and things of that sort. So he even pressed them on that. Oh, you mean like the second law of thermodynamics or something like that was somehow not active before the fall or something? Well, yeah, it would have to be because they say, you know, death and decay came with Adam's sin. So it's like, well, then what does that also involve? It also involves the sun burning and things. And so but can I ask, how do you guys, and this is open to any of the Christians in the room. I also don't know if it's picking up on Mike, but there are, in addition to Tim and Kyle, we got John Buck, who you might know from me defeating him in a debate on uh, God's existence. <laughs> we, <know that. laughs> we have, um, we have uh, Nathaniel yeah, and we have Kyle. Um, <laughs> we picked him up off the street and then we have uh, Matt, um, who is like a theology, you're a teacher at a Catholic high school, but you were like a theology student. Yeah, I'm a theology student, but I'm also teaching theology at said high school. Oh, he's a theology uh, teacher at that high school. Um, and then we have Darren, necessary being who you might, you might have known him as when he had a popular uh, Twitter account, and then he fell from grace, and now he's nothing to anybody. <laughs> he's cool. a, an atheist who, I mean, atheist is like a good first approximation, but he's an atheist who believes in libertarian free will, probably one of the four in existence. Um, I, I want to hear more about that later. That sounds cool. Okay, so I wanted to ask you and you, Kyle and Tim, and any of the other Christians who might want to answer, like, okay, so I'm assuming that no one here believes in young earth creationism, or you guys don't believe in the fall in the way that I understood it when I was, like, 16, but the fall is so theologically central to Christianity, it's so important. You can't just say, you know, it's a metaphor, or it's a poem, or something, and then just, like, leave it at that. It's theologically really significant. You can't just dispense with it. So, I'm just asking personally, you know, you don't have to make a whole case for it, but how do you guys actually see the fall? We can, like, start with Tim. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I see the fall um, very different than a young earth creationist sees the fall. I mean, I, I don't think that Adam and Eve were the literal first two humans. I do think that um, the whole 
election of Adam and Eve um, within the garden, usually known as a kind of paradise and things of that sort, was a very specific role that they had to play and things. And so the way I see it is, is that I, st- I still do hold to something like original sin, but I don't think original sin is inherited guilt or kind of like a genetically passed down um, uh, like defect or something like that. I more see, I more see um, sin in the way that more um, Orthodox and Catholics see uh, original sin in that way. But what I see is that Adam and Eve were only were only immortal by virtue of eating from the tree of life, right? Um, and so, through their disobedience, they're taught through these harsh consequences that well, they're going to have to they're going to have to really bump up against their own mortality by not having access to that tree of life. And of course, at this point in time, you know, this is early humanity, so still very much driven by biological desires and things of that sort, and not the higher spiritual things through generations and intermingling with other humans and things of that sort. I say that sin was passed down and passed through knowledge, right? I mean, God's, God doesn't, um, God judges those who have not died to their sins in faith, faith based on the fact if they had the knowledge that they could do so or not. Um, and so, the spreading of sin and things of that sort um, uh, would have just happened through the ordinary processes of just, you know, continuing on generations and things of that sort and, and humans knowing right from wrong, being bound to a kind of higher law and, and things of that sort in that kind of covenant with humanity. So I see it more like that um, rather than, you know, uh, this kind of what's often seen as more of a quote-unquote traditional young earth creationist way. Does it like factor into your view of the problem of evil at all? Like, do you use it as a part of your theodicy? The fall? Uh, I, I never do. I mean, if we want to talk about just something as m- minimally as like free will, I just see free will as a kind of good. It, I, as, as far as like lapsarian theodicies go, I'm not a fan of lapsarian theodicies. So, what, what is lapsarian? Uh, the idea that the, that, uh, that, that the fall um is uh the reason for or is an explanation a just explanation for why there's so much evil and god is not morally culpable for what resulted subsequent to the fall or god's judgment and cursing of humanity he's that was a correct response i guess you could say yeah i mean isn't that what you guys were just saying like where it's like you can't honestly say that god's like not culpable in any way like even if adam and eve even if there was a literal fall adam and eve disobeyed god and then the fall resulted in all the natural evil. God is still responsible for setting up those rules and like the process by which natural evil came about, you know, with, um, okay, well, if you disobey me in this very specific way, then all the natural evil will occur in a way that you couldn't possibly have understood beforehand. Like, that's still on God, you know, way more than it's on Adam or Eve. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and this is what Swinburne believes as well. I, I think it'd be, I, I mean, I just think it'd be really strange not to kind of put it in god's kind of in god's core at that point where it's like you know if this idea that i guess i don't know we had this kind of vague understanding of like perfect processes and things going on and all of a sudden you know subsequent to adam and eve's sin um everything kind of goes to crap and everything because of that i would think okay well why obviously god is flipping a switch or something there someone like swinburne as well thinks that lapsarian theodicies are just like it does make it is peculiar when it comes to God being, you know, the one in charge of that whole entire system going that way. So yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Still the overall strategy of trying to pin 
natural evil on moral evil is an interesting strategy, but I feel like that's just a bad way of doing it. Like Dustin Crummett has an interesting way of doing it where he's like, oh, maybe we're in a simulation and in base reality, there is no natural evil, but the simulators created all this. They were like, hey, what if the earth just like shook from time to time and just knocked over buildings and like trapped people under rubble? So really all the natural evil that we see is just moral evil because we're in a simulation or something like that, which is like... Um, not plausible, but it's still like it's, st- yeah. it's still an interesting way, though, to like try to pin apparent natural evil, you know, like predation and you know people dying as a result of tsunamis. Oh, actually, that's just moral evil. So if you can explain moral evil, then you get all of natural evil for free. But anyway, Kyle, how do you view the fall? So my view of the fall, basically, it's it's a theistic evolutionist sort of perspective where there was you know Adam and Eve were not the first humans by at least biological humans. I view them as the first priest, and basically what happened um, in the garden basically is like, there's a few, few, some scholars differ on this, but basically in this sort of view I take, where the fall, basically the, the knowledge, or the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, right, um, was actually supposed to be eaten at some point by Adam and Eve, but they decided to make what, you know, some scholars say, they made themselves the center of order rather than God. Right. And so that's when, you know, the idolatry and selfishness come in. And so what happened was basically, you know, the reason why they were kicked out of the garden, basically, you know, when, when God curses the earth or whatever in that, in that scenario, right, basically he took away the blessings of, um, you know, the garden of, of Eden, right? Um, and so what happens, in fact, if you read Romans, I think it's like Romans 5 or something like that, where it talks about how death reigned from Adam to Moses. And that's my sort of view on that is basically that Adam fell, basically, and it wasn't until Moses when um, the covenant sort of relationship was restored, right? And I think that makes more sense of Scripture. I think this whole idea that, you know, Adam's sin, like, caused you know, God to curse the ground and therefore you have all these other natural evils just doesn't really work, I don't think. I think the cursing there just has to do with um, taking away the blessings of the garden, right? So that if, if we see the garden as the first temple of God, you know, the first temple that God set up, right? And if we take away from that, well, that's what basically cursing is, basically, right? So my view is that it wasn't until, Mo- it, it, it's not until we get to Moses where we actually see a, a sort of restoration of Eden, right? And then, of course, it's not fully restored to its fullest extent until Christ, right? But you get the point there. So, especially, I'm a Catholic, by the way, but, like, our, at least the, the Catholic view of this is, like, you Thank know. you for listening. This has been... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will never, ever let a papist on my channel again. Yeah, ever yeah. Since Romanist. <laughs> but, but, like, I, I just want to bring this in. I mean, even if you're... I know probably a lot of your listeners are not Catholic, but, like, the Catholic view of this <laughs> yeah. is... <laughs> uh, yes, a lot of my listeners are not Catholic. <laughs> but... You know, I just want to bring one view in perspective, which is that the mass is heaven on earth, right? So in that sort of way, like, you know, it literally is heaven, basically. Not literally in, like, the resurrection sense, Mm -hmm. but it's, you know, yeah. I've been to mass, and I respectfully disagree with the idea that it's heaven (laughs) on earth. Um, Can you grab me a beer as well? Yeah, I got you. And the bottle opener. Um, Huh? Bottle opener. (laughs) 
released it. Yeah. They just hear Bible. They're like, oh, he wants a Bible. Wait, wait. But if you open that drawer right there underneath you, there is the Bible. Oh, or at least the New Testament. Do you have the Daily Bentley? Wait, this, did you bring this? Yeah, those are my books. That's oh, the God, DBH. I thought, this, I thought this, this hotel had that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the hotel started putting a David Bentley Hart's translation of um, the New Testament into all of its rooms. <laughs>